Welcome to the crux of investing in finance, everybody. My name is Jay, and thank you for joining me. I just want to thank each and every one of you for listening. It means a lot to me. If you haven't already, please follow our Instagram at Investonomics Education and our Facebook page at Investonomics. So please sit back, relax, and I hope you can learn something new. Before we dive in today, I just want to say that this is a primarily video-based show. So for, to get the full experience, you should go to Investonomics YouTube channel, like and subscribe to the channel, and you can follow the video there for a nice visual representation of what I'm going to be talking about. Welcome back, everybody, and today's topics is going to be on index funds with the first part of the investment series or investing series. So an index fund is a security that offers exposure to an entire market but with very low expense ratios, which is also known as the fees that are associated with the fund. They are a type of mutual fund, and this, is, this will be important in a moment. So index funds are becoming mainstream as early as the mid-1970s, and this is when index funds were first originated, through John Bogle's Vanguard Mutual Fund. And the Vanguard Mutual Funds and index funds are still very common today. So there were many skeptics at the time, and they told John that index funds would flop because they overall had lower returns than actively managed mutual funds, and these historically had higher returns. But in 2008, Warren Buffett decided to bet $1 million that a mutual fund could not outperform an index fund over a 10-year time horizon. This was an S&P index fund, and in 2018, Warren Buffett actually won this bet, and the index fund outperformed. In the most basic terms, an index fund serves to track an index of stocks such as the S&P 500, Fortune 500 companies, or the 30 Dow Jones Industrial Average companies. So the aspect that significantly reduces fees for index funds over mutual funds, traditional mutual funds, is that they are passively managed instead of actively managed. This means that the proportion of the stocks are adjusted by a software program on intervals of the originator's choosing. And this is very important because this means nobody is actively managing them, meaning higher fees. So index funds are not limited to stocks, however. They can be created using bonds, options, futures, and other uh, derivative securities. However, stocks do provide the most diversity. So many index funds have arisen since the 1970s, and they include foreign market index funds, emergent market index funds, commodity index funds, full market index funds such as the S&P 500 index fund, and specific sectors. A commonplace investing term is an ETF, and this is simply an exchange-traded fund. And it refers to index funds, which are passively managed mutual funds that trade on an exchange for ease of access to both institutional and retail investors. So this simply means that if an individual investor has a stockbroker account, they are able to access these ETFs and trade them. The term indexing refers to how well and often an index fund is adjusted to accommodate the actual index's holdings, since they are not actually linked to each other. So to do this, there are three main kinds of indexing, traditional, synthetic, and enhanced indexing. So the first one is traditional indexing. And this is 
This tracks an index by only updating its proportions using a computer when a stock is added or removed from an index. So when a company is added to the S&P 500 or removed, the, uh, these traditional indexing uh, methods are used. So synthetic, synthetic indexing utilizes cheap, low-cost bonds and stock index feature contracts to replicate proportions of an index. This is tax-advantaged, but is more risky as well. So this is a less-used method. And finally, we have the enhanced indexing method. This incorporates some active management strategies in order to get better returns over the traditional index. There are many different ways of doing this, and some include using patterns and technical analysis. So some of the most common index funds include the commonly known SPY, or the Spider S&P 500 Index Fund, and the VOO, which is the ticker, as well as SPY, it's also the ticker, for the Vanguard S&P 500 Index. The index fund concept has a link to economic theory as well, and it wouldn't be relevant if it did not. So Eugene Fama is the father of the efficient market hypothesis, and this is a very important hypothesis in economics as well. So this states that security prices accurately reflect all up-to-date information such that there's no advantage to stock picking or active, active management, which means that stock prices actually hold all the information that's relevant to its price. So if the EMH does hold, mutual funds will not be able to outperform the market and the index, therefore, and even if they could, their fees would erase these advantages. So therefore, the EMH predicts that an index funds are the superior investment in this case. MERs are another very important thing to know about index funds, and they are simply the management expense ratios. And they're commonly used to evaluate how expensive a mutual fund or index fund is. So for example, most mutual funds have MERs between 1% to 2.5%, and this is essentially the fees that you're paying each year. And index funds have MERs between 0.2 to 0.5%, and the SPY has an MER of 0.09%, so you can see how low these are compared to mutual funds. And some Vanguard index funds have as low as 0.03%. So compounded, this can yield superior returns for index funds, and it's part of the reason why Warren Buffett recommends them for every retirement account, such as an RRSP or 401k account. So I'll see you guys next time. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to leave a five-star rating on here. It means a lot to me. And make sure to write a little review, either what we can improve or what you liked. That helps us out a bunch. I'll see you guys next time.